Hey, what's up, A Black Hands family? All right, now check it out. This was a special episode that went from being one episode to two. So we dive really deep into Ava DuVernay's When They See Us uh, show on Netflix, and the conversation got really spirited. So we're going to break it up into two episodes. This is episode one. At the end, if you want to stay in the conversation, you can do that. Just go over to episode two. All right, enjoy the show. We want better schools. We want them now. Stand in our way, and you'll catch these eight black hands with Ankrum, Cole, El Mecky, and Stewart. Join us now for an hour or more of talk on education and culture. Welcome back to the Eight Black Hands podcast. This is Charles Cole, your host, and I'm here with Ray, Chris, and Sharif el But before we jump into how these folks are doing, uh, we're doing a really important show today. Uh, props to Ray, who was really adamant about doing this episode, and it is covering the Central Park Five. Uh, there was a movie on Netflix by Ava DuVernay that just came out, which is getting a lot of attention and reception, and, uh, and, it's, and it's on the Central Five. And here's a quick overview before we jump into it. Uh, the series was based on the events of the 1989 Central Park Jogger case, and it explores the lives of the suspects who were prosecuted and their families. So these five black juvenile males, uh, they are the protagonists of the series, and their names are Antron, Kevin, Yusef, Raymond, and Corey. And they were convicted by a jury of charges of rape, assault, and related crimes in two separate trials in 1990. They were sentenced to maximum terms, and Corey, who was only 16 at the time, had to go straight to a federal adult prison. The series is broken into four parts, which highlight different aspects of the criminal justice system. So part one was more about interaction with the police, interrogation. Part two was the trial. Part three was youth detention, where the majority of the boys ended up. And part four uh, was kind of his own thing uh, for Corey, who went straight into prison. So this was a very tough thing for me to watch. I did not want to watch it. I did it solely for this show. So let's just go around the horn real quick and just get general reactions. Um, Ray, why don't you start us off with your reactions of the series since this was your idea to do this episode? Powerful series, man. I mean, like we already knew the story, but uh, when it went in detail about just how the criminal justice system works for black and brown kids, I, I feel like it gave us like an up close and person of how they really feel and how they really see us. Uh, Chris, what were your reactions to that, to the series? Well, Chris is talking. I don't, I see his mouth moving, but uh, I mean, it was cool. You want to try again, brother? (laughs) Yeah. So as a parent, that's, uh, it was very hard to watch because you can empathize uh, with the parents watching their kids go through something, knowing that they believe their children and knowing that the system is wrong and that it's rigged uh, and that it's about to eat up your children. Is it, that, that's an old feeling. That's a feeling that black parents had, you know, in 1989 or seven when this happened. It's a feeling that they had in 1972 when the FBI was, uh, you know, doing things to people. 1960, uh, y'all can't hear me? No, we can hear you. They just have that feeling today, too. 
Oh, oh today. Gotcha. Yeah, we didn't get Ray was doing signs and nobody understood. Yeah, I know. Like, <laughs> he was doing signs like we rehearsed them. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, like the airline traffic signs over there. Go, um, go ahead, brother. I, I was like, nah, that's all I'm saying. I'm saying is that that's an eternal feeling, I'm sure, back to slavery days that parents have had. You know, parents have watched their kids be sold away from them be separated, be beaten, be imprisoned, be falsely accused, the Scottsboro boys, you know, mm -hmm. Emmett Till, um, Trayvon Martin, Tamir Rice. So to watch this, um, I, I just thought as a father, I just don't know. I don't know how you survive that type of trauma with your kids, yeah. uh, knowing that you love them so much. Reef. Yeah, I mean, I, I had the, the same uh, reaction as all of you. It was, um, you know, I think it was it was really important to to watch and, you know, even, you know, having conversations with, uh, you know, my, my children uh, about it. You know, my wife didn't want to watch it initially. You know, she came down and popped it. She was like, you know, these kind of things take just such an emotional um, toll. And my thing is like, yes, and, you know, there are people in our community go through this, you know, today, yesterday, as uh, Chris said, the first thing I, th I thought about was, yes, like enslavement and, and watching, feeling helpless as your mm -hmm. children are dragged away or courts are rigged. I thought about the Scottsboro boys in Alabama, nine of them just basically railroaded, um, said that they raped uh, two white women on the train. Um, and also uh, George Tenney, right, 14 years old, who was, uh, I believe, executed um, as a 14-year-old. Mm. Um, and so, like, it, it was a lot of those same reactions. I think I was, I was about 16 or 17. I was 17, I think, when, when this was all going down. And, you know, like, it, it, just, it just brought then, as well as watching the film, just brought on so many memories of, like, you know, how how the police um, terrorize, um, you know, uh, communities, black communities, Latino communities, communities of color, you know, like I, and, and the thing about it, like people sometimes I think get caught up and think this is, you know, this distant past. Like I have people my, you know, my age who we talk about like our experiences with the police, like that police held, you know, one of my, um, one of my uh, Panther cub, you know, uh, comrades brothers like the police hung his sister his little baby sister out the window once when they called themselves interrogating the family holding a child out of a window and threatening to drop them. like this stuff is real like this, this is not tv it's not movies this is a real thing where they can just be lawless and and just like terrorize communities that happens. So when you see that fear in the family where they're like, hey, just we just want to get out of here. They will kill us like that. That just like, you know, that it just you've seen that. You know what tripped me up in a couple of parts, too, though, was watching the parents trust the system, though. Yeah. Right. Like they manipulated. Well, it, was, it was two like, things. Trust yeah. as well. Yeah. Trust to say, like, oh, you're, we're going to uh, be able to leave. Yeah. But also fear like, hey, you know, what? we better cooperate, you know. Or else I don't even know if it was yeah, like trust or if it was just like, hey, we got to survive, right? Like, and how much yeah. of our existence is about trying to su just survive this system? You know, I was with uh, Ramona Africa. I mean, it was her birthday, uh, you know, and, you know, she's part of the MOVE family. And, and, you know, like a bomb was dropped on their house. 
by the police out of a helicopter, a bomb blew up the whole block. Mm-hmm. This was in 85, but I remember as a seven-year-old watching at the dining the kitchen table, watching the news um, and going to the protest and going to the organizing meetings in 1978 and watching them, you know, uh, drag Delbert Africa down the street by his hair. Like, you know, like, no, like nothing, like did that, yeah. kicked him in the face, you know, and you're talking about like hands up. Like I still remember this image of him standing up, looking like Jesus on a cross, hands up, but extended outward and shotgun in his face, getting bashed in the face with a, with a helmet. Like, like this is, and, and you know, nothing, nobody even bashed. Oh, that's a black guy getting just beat, like basically found guilty and found guilty enough to like, we can terrorize and brutalize them. Um, and that was real life. So, you know, this is a, it's a continuation of the, the just savagery that is inflicted on, on, on our people. Shout out, shout out to Yousef's mom, man. If y'all watch this series, man, black woman, strong as hell, stood up for her kid. was like, yo, y'all give me a lawyer, even though I, I don't mm-hmm. like the choice of the lawyer, but you know, she, you know, she definitely stood up for her kid and, was, and she knew her rights, man. And I, and I think that that's one of the most important things uh, from the show is knowing your rights. And that's both from the parental perspective and from the child perspective. Yeah. That's right. Well, let yeah. me get my, so my thoughts on the film, um, I don't know. I, so, you know, me and Ray talked about it. I've, I feel more like your wife, Sharif. So when we and Ray were talking about it on the phone, I was like, bro, I don't want to watch this. Like, I, I have no intentions on watching this series. And, and just for the folks that's listening, it might not be something that you want to watch. Um, I'm going to just keep it a, a whole band with you. So my goal was to watch two episodes yesterday and then two episodes this morning before we record it. And I just ended up watching the whole thing. And uh, as somebody who grew up with both of my parents were in and out of jail and just kind of um, like I, I hated every moment of this movie. I, 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 I sent out a message on Twitter like I'll never curse on my social media, but I like hated every part of this movie. And um, and the whole movie told this like it was just this level of hopelessness. It was this level of damn. They really didn't do anything wrong except for like survive and live in this place. Right. And then you get then you get to episode four. Episode four, like, and I don't know, like I, I'm I'm assuming most of the people, everybody here watched most of it or all of it or whatnot, but episode four is just different. And for those out there that haven't seen it yet, so episodes one through three, let me just give a quick synopsis so people know so we can hop into this this topic. Episode one is about like the crime that happened and then how you get to see how all of them get like interrogated and just the craziness and how they badgered these people and how crazy it was and how much these people trusted and was like, I just want to go home. Okay. I'll say whatever you want me to say. Episode two is the trial and the trial is like, you know, it's a tense trial. It, 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 it was just, it was kind of set up. If you ever watched it like a law and order episode, it, it kind of broke down like a law and order episode where one part is like the police, the other, the investigation and the trial. So Episode two was the trial. Episode three was where we got to see all the kids that went to juvenile detention and we got to see them in, in juvenile detention and then back like adjusting as adults in life. Episode four needed its own space because out of all the five, one of the kids who was the oldest, he was 16 at the time, he went straight to prison. Like he went straight to adult prison. And when, when I say this kid acted his ass off, when I say like, you felt there with him, like he should get some type of award. Like I 
have not cried watching something in like a while. And I and I wanted to cry watching it, but I couldn't because you cried. Like, you cried. No, I wanted to. You Listen, cried. man, I, I I wanted to, right? But like the anger, right? And there's a scene in there where when he was going up for parole, he had to go to parole a few times. And the way parole works is that we can't even have a conversation about parole until you admit your crime. And so he had gotten beat up over and over and over again. This is like 10, 13 years later. And he's in there just like working out. And they was like, come to do parole. And he was like, I'm good. It's like, if they don't want to hear my truth, I don't want to waste my time. Like that, that show of strength by this actor. He's also the only actor that played the kid that played both as the kid and the adult. Everybody else had like two different actors, but it was just hard, hard to watch. And I really didn't want to do the show. I don't ever plan on watching it again. And if it's something that you need to protect yourself from that you just don't want to watch, like I wouldn't be mad at you. So fellas, let's kind of dive into it. Like were there things that stood out to you all? And I know we kind of all over the place, but it's just such an emotional like film and just a set of events. Um, For the folks that are a little bit older, because I was born in 83, so I was, like, really young when this was happening. Do either of, do any of y'all really remember when it was happening and, like, where you were and how you were viewing it? Yeah, you know, the the memories that it sparked for me was just, I remember how the story was being told. The story was being told that they weren't innocent. The story was being told that New York was off the hook, that, you know, wild bands of, of Black teenagers, young Black youth, were running around the city, like just robbing people. When the whole wilding thing started, like wilding out, that was not something that was national. That was something that was seen very much as a New York thing. So what I remember thinking was that they were guilty as hell. And that, that, uh, that you know, it was just like, especially like knowing where you live. Like I was, I had been in Oakland. I'd been in places right. where people do things, right? right. So it, was, it wasn't a shock to me that they were having a crime wave out there right um but that's what i was thinking about as i was watching the story now was just how differently it was told right there was there was no subjectivity in the news reporting back then at all it it was a hundred percent guilty black young black males are taking over the city they are um they are raping robbing beating they're doing all kinds of bad things to people um so i remember it this is what i think too though is this, this becomes a generational thing. Because I feel like for people who were shocked by this, I feel like I'm not that old, but I've seen enough of my lifetime to not be shocked, right? Mm-hmm. There are things that happened in the 70s. There are things that happened in the 80s. There are things that happened in the 90s. Um, so when I'm looking at millennials and now Generation Z and knowing that they didn't see within their lifetime, mm-hmm. some of the stuff that I saw in my lifetime, which I didn't even think compared to the stuff that my father saw in his lifetime, right? It just tells me that the struggle is continuous, right? It, 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 there will be, some, I mean, like, listen, in our lifetime, I just named some, there are some more recent, Tamir Rice, right? Yeah, it's like extrajudicial killing, right? You know, yeah. judge and everything. So how are they shot? Like, I'm, I don't understand. People I think people really believe in this kind of stuff. I think people believe in the integrity of the system. And when bad things happen, they think it's a, they don't think it's a, a flaw fluke. of the system. They think it's a fluke. That these Bro, things are just aberrant things. I don't believe in the system. I don't believe in this shit at all. You can mark that down, write it, highlight it. I do not <laughs> believe in this system. In 1989, alone, around the same time that this was happening, I witnessed two of my uncles, my mother's brothers, 
get pulled over by undercover cops in Covington, Louisiana, and they got the shit beat out of them. Mm-hmm. They got they got the the truth beat out of them, and it wasn't even their truth. Mm-hmm. But that's that's how these cops work, man. These cops will make you say whatever they want you to say in order for their report to be glowing, so that they can get their promotion and they can get they can be favorable in terms of like what they're trying to do in life and whatnot. They don't mind building their house on the back on on the backs of black Latino kids. They don't mind doing that. They do they they do it. It's natural for them. It's a natural progression for them. Mm. Sharif, yeah, what yeah, about you? Oh, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead, Chris. Well, this is the thing too about the system. You just said I don't believe in the system, right? But most of what we talk about on this podcast is education. And, and, and we're talking about the education system often. And when we talk about the education system, we're often talking about uh, uh, the traditional district system that's connected to the state and the people who are working outside of it, building alternative schools like charter schools and other, other things. But we're bumping up to the, against the same beliefs that people have Somehow, I don't understand how people do the mental trick where they distance the, the public education system from the public courts and the police and other agents of the state. All of these systems are connected to the same state. And, oh. and, and like people don't make the connection. I think they love them some teachers so much or something that they have like Stockholm Syndrome. They've come to love their captors. I don't get it. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I 100% agree with you, and we can use Corey as a case in point. Bro, he's 16 years old. He can't read. He's on the stand, mm-hmm. and he's reading. He, they're telling him, can you read this right. part of your testimony? And he's right. like, I can't read it. So how the hell can you convict this kid of – how can you convict him of something that he – of a statement that he didn't even write? He can't even read it. And it was his statement. It was his confession. It was his confession. You can't read confession. Right. That's some and slavery he, era type stuff, though, isn't it? That, that's like slavery era type stuff right there. And, bro, he, yo, Charles, to your point, he was amazing in this show. He was. Because he yeah. acted just like how a kid who couldn't read, who was being right. asked questions and whatnot, would explode in a classroom when you're trying to put him on the spot. That's how he reacted. Mm-hmm. That's exa- I mean, that's exactly right. I think, I mean, in the scene that he's talking about is... They're going back through and like this is an episode two where the trial is kind of it's kind of going back and forth. Actually, they had some good moments in the trial. Like, yeah, like like this don't make sense. Then when they had to talk to one of the kids dads who actually told his kid to um, to, to, to make the confession, um, then they went to like the tapes. So part of the strategy was none of the young boys could admitted that they did anything on the tapes. But what they did is they made them implicate each other. So the only way that the prosecution could win and they could actually use the tapes was by splitting the kids up so then that they could use those tapes to blame each other. So it was like a real high level kind of tactic. And only one of them had a pretty seasoned enough kind of lawyer, right? Their lawyers, one of the lawyers was like a a, a divorce, divorce attorney. Yeah. yeah. And so this part well, where, did well though he did well he did he well, well. He, took, he had an interesting strategy right like he, yeah he did he had an interesting strategy and then the other one the third one the latino brother kind of started yeah. doing well at the end too um but it was just so hard to watch and like so they asked this kid to reread his statement and the boy is just like like he got so frustrated He's like this ain't got nothing to do with my case like but he blew up and it helped to convict him because he looked out of control he looked like he you know 
all they saw in that moment was a criminal. All they saw in that moment was a thug. And it's um it's interesting when you close your eyes and you think of criminals and thugs, what comes to your your mind. And similar to I said this in at my graduation, I, I gave one of the talks. I made them close their eyes and and see what who do they picture when they picture a doctor, right? You don't picture me as that. You don't picture Sharif as a doctor, right? You picture him as somebody who might do something to you. It, it was just really difficult. And I, I, Chris, you tied it back to schools, man. I, I don't, I don't understand. I've been using this broken analogy for so long, and I'll never let it go because it just makes so much sense to me. This system, man, like it's not. There is no separation between our criminal system and our public education system. It is not. It is made up of the same players. It is made up of the same type of gaslighting that you see. Like that gaslighting was amazing, right? Like so. At what point do we recognize that we working with a refrigerator that don't work and we keep putting milk in it and then feeding that milk to our babies and being surprised? Like at what at what point? Right. Like it, it just it was. And then the other thing that I think that and, I, and I'm going to shut up because I'm not making no sense because I'm just emotional from the show. But the last thing that I think that this shows and it parallels to is how these systems turn us against each other. So there was also this interplay between the parents where they kind of got turned against each other. Like they're all in this together, like all their kids, like they were friends, like, well, they weren't friends, but you know, they were like in this moment where they needed each other the most, where they needed to stick together the most. It was so easy for those white people to have them black people at each other's throat, right? Like, tell me where else we see that. Here's something that's going to be dropping a bomb on this discussion a little bit. So in the interrogation of the kids, one of the cops in there wasn't white. He was talking to the kid in Spanish and he was Latino, talking to the Latino family, easing their Mm -hmm. conscience, telling him, hey, why don't you just uh, step out for a second? Let's let us talk to him in their own language. Right. So so here he is taking advantage of his own people for the system that he works for. Right. There was a couple of black cops in there that did the arresting and did the. So so this is the point that I want to make really quickly, which is. They weren't just turning us against each other. The system did something very specific in the 1970s and into the 1980s, which was hire away a lot of our revolutionaries, right? If you want to disable a people, make them part of your system, half of them, and then let the other half dwindle and hang out there. So the black middle class, as much as we try and make the black middle class the product of just unions, the black middle class is the product of government work, period. Like 80, at, some, at one point, like 80% of black professionals were working for the government, right? Working for the, the different branches of the government. Them, them good jobs, man. Government good jobs. jobs. Good job. hey, but not only that, not only good that. Jobs, but you know what it also did? It, they were good jobs, but they created a separate class of people who come to believe in the system and raise kids who Absolutely. believe in the system, who went to law school and started prosecuting their own people, started becoming teachers in systems, racist schools, started becoming cops on racist police forces, right? Started becoming judges and judging the same way under mandatory, mandatory minimums like everybody else did. Right. Uh, they created two classes of people. Now, when we have somebody today who comes at us about working on schools outside of the system, guess what? It's somebody who's related to being in the main system. It's either a teacher, someone in a union, somebody who's got some sort of connection, their mama, their daddy was a teacher, or there was a principal, they grew up on like good principal money. That's who's coming after us half the time, right? This is the Hutus and the Tootsies, right? This is how you create 
two groups of people to fight it out. Right now, we're having to have a dumbass fight about whether or not black people should have choices in their schools. Mm-hmm. Whether or not it should just be up to the parent to decide what kind of school they, they want to send it to, uh, they want to send their kid to. That's because we have our own people on both sides of the argument. If we didn't, we wouldn't have to even argue about this. Ray, all. I think you were trying to get in there. Well, go ahead, yeah. Ray, I'm sorry. I, man, I'm so like. Oh, I'm, that's all I, <laughs> I, yo, I'm so I, emotional, man. Yo, yeah. I wanna, yo, no, no, bro. I got, so here's, here's I got what I, I got. It. Here's what I was thinking about. Right? Oh, okay. I was thinking about Yusef's mom and Corey's mom, mm-hmm. and how how just that whole dynamics played out when Corey wouldn't even been there if he wasn't looking out for Yusef and thinking about right. Yusef's mom that and was how crazy, she right? would have reacted to the situation if he, if he would have just let Yusef go down by himself. He wasn't even in the park. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Brother was asleep in the waiting room for most of the mm-hmm. interrogation time. And how still, the hell you know, interrogate kids for 18 hours? I'm going to sit and I'm going to interrogate you for 18 hours, not giving you no food, not doing any of this. Shit, I'm gonna tell you what you want to hear too, and I'm an adult. And this is the law. These are the these are the people who are supposed to be upholding the integrity of the Constitution, right? So, what do black people learn in these interactions? Compound this one situation. We talk about one story, right? Compound that story by the, by a thousand, right? Now, tell me what our people have learned decade by decade about the integrity of the law. In the well, we system. don't trust the police. I t- yeah, but I tell you, I tell you what they haven't That's learned. That's rhetorical, but I, I, I'll tell you what they haven't learned. They right. haven't learned how to shut the hell up. When you get in that inter- when you yeah. get in that interrogation room, you you they read you your Miranda rights. You have the right to remain silent. Shut the some hell of, up. Some of them read the read the rights. Uh, a lot of times you still yeah. A lot of times they still aren't read. But have you prepared like, your kids? Yeah. Absolutely. Me, have you pre- pre- prepared your kids? This is an honest question too, because because I'll tell you like my position as a parent. But have you prepared your children? for these kind of various different situations. Bro, I just had this conversation with my son. I, I don't give a shit if you get pulled in the principal's office. You don't say nothing. You say, call my dad, call my father. That's it, call my father. If you mm-hmm. get if you get caught up in the law, I don't give a shit if it's jaywalking. But, but, I, but, but I, I think, I mean- Lawyer, right. call I, my dad. But, but this, is, this is the thing that I saw. I saw this on Twitter too, and I saw some other people talking about this around what they would have done in those situations. Now, let's be clear. Some of the kids didn't say anything. So that was the one case where the kid was quiet and he maintained his innocence and his dad, they pulled his dad out the room and then they threatened his dad because his dad had a record. And they was like, we're going to look into job. that. And he you, came you, back in and he was job. like telling people what they want to hear. I'm just, I'm just saying. I'm, I'm, no, I understand. I understand what you're saying. I understand what you're saying. But, and it's, but look, and at, it's real. Look, it's, at the, look at the counter product of that. No, no, but that what, I, I hear you. That decision that he made ate him alive. Not, listen, but listen to what I'm saying, all right? And I saw, I, I was doing some more research and their relationship actually was a bit rosier in the, um, in the show. Like they asked him if he ever made peace with his father. And he, like the dude kind of broke down crying in the middle and was like, nah, he a sucker. He a punk. He sold me out, right? That's a like, fact. I, That's but, a but, fact. But, 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 but what I'm saying is, man, is like, these are nuanced, like these are different, like this, this is a difficult situation. Like one, if I'm a kid, man, if I'm a kid and all this stuff is happening, and yeah, you, that ain't you easy. tell me my, my Miranda rights, but you yelling at me to do this other thing, Bro, these are like 15, 14 year old kids. And being fired. assaulted. Let's not forget. Right? Like, it's not just yeah, they yelling. Beat the hell out that other kid, right? Yeah, they they being the assaulted. The they being assaulted. Did you and see it's the- not like, and we can't yeah. think for one second. This is 1989. 
all of those boys know very well that a cops could put their a gun to their head and blow them away and get away with it on top of that. We're right. Nice. So like all of that is is a part of the dynamic. And so, yes, we tell our children, don't say anything. Michael Cord, you know, our, our lawyer, um, you know, I, I'm saying our lawyer, but, you know, he did have to defend my brother, uh, one of my brothers, when the police just uh, attacked him mercilessly. Um, so Michael Cord had to, you know, we had to hire him to defend uh, my brother like this. This idea of, you know, and he, he goes around to schools and he talks to the youth about like, you know, don't say anything. But you know what? It's not just youth he has to tell that to. He has to tell yeah. that to adults, too. Yeah. Right. Because and he tells them, like, even the things that um, nothing you say will be used for you. Anything right. you say can be used against you. That's even hard for for adults, right? Because right. it's all the games, right? It's all the games that that are played. Like, oh, good cop, bad cop. Like that's a whole thing, right? This is a whole entire thing that they roll out. Let me get you comfortable, or I'm just I'm abusing the heck out of you, right? This, this is all like the guy who finds stuff that they that they you know that they study and they implement. Not just on the, on on children, adults are are falling for it. Yeah, I got you. Go ahead. It's not, it's, not, it's not that easy. You know what I mean? Like, yes, we want our, our people to, to stand on. Some of them are just like, hey, I'm not going to be able to afford a lawyer anyway. Right. Like, who am I actually going to get? Right. Like all of those kind of things, you know, folks who are holding on to their jobs by a thread. Right. Mm. Folks who are already on probation and someone saying, threatening them like, you know what? You're innocent, but I'm going to railroad you, call your PO anyway. Right. And so that person is just like, hey, I might go to jail anyway. Right. Let me just try to cooperate. Like there's so much, you know, just sinister stuff that goes in into all of this. Yeah. Go ahead, Chris. I, I, I got a question for y'all after Chris goes. So, you know, I, I was going to say, like, I, I say this in damn near every one of our podcasts. <laughs> like, It's been this way for a long time. So what are we going to do? And, and you know, right. what do we do? Right. Like, where does the training come from? Of course, by now you teach. You teach. This is like Black 101 like Black Life 101, like there should be a class somewhere. Like, like, you know, Jews and other people have like Saturday schools or whatever to like transmit their culture and to remember, never forget the things that have happened to them so that they act appropriately in this world and walk through this world. And we're out here untethered. We got kids totally tethered to nothing, man, because like this isn't new, it's gonna happen again. Um, of course, we should be educating our kids about the possibilities, about how to stay silent, about the tricks and the mind games that people play so that they grow, grow up with a healthy suspicion of the system, of everybody who's an agent of the state. Like, like we have to explain to our kids about what the state is and all the different forms of an agent that can come into their life and the different levels of power that they have, right? But I'm saying this because now I'm about to contradict myself. This is where I contradict myself. <laughs> I actually, so it, if I was 12 years old and this, this was on TV, my dad would have absolutely made me watch it. Mm -hmm. there, there wouldn't have been any question. I would have had to sit down there and watch it, right? When Roots mm -hmm. came out, I remember just, there just was, it, it was like, there, it wasn't a question. This is right. what you're doing watching. tonight, yeah, right? right? You're watching right. it. Sit your ass down. And that came out of what, 77, right? Right. And I remember, so in 77, you know, I, I was like, what? I, I was like nine, you know, years old or whatnot. And I remember thinking, this is going to be boring. This is how many nights in a row? Damn, this is like five nights or so. I forgot how long it was. But there was no question. Now, here we go. Fast forward into time when this is on. And I got a 12-year-old, right? I got a 12-year-old, a 10-year-old, and an 8-year-old. 
I for sure wasn't going to have my eight-year-old and my 10-year-old watch this. But, but my 12-year-old was up for grabs. So I'm, I'm struggling with this decision right now, even now as we're talking about this. Um, I didn't make my 12-year-old watch it, even though it was in my head the whole time. Like, maybe I should make him watch this. There's a lot of reasons why I didn't, you know, and there are new reasons. What were the reasons why you didn't, though? Vicarious trauma. Um... Because I think no. kids should have to watch. I mean, when should I, I should I give you the real answer about this, or should I give you the fake answer? I want yeah, the real. real I want the real answer. Why? 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 You can it's, text us the fake answer later. Tell us the real. <laughs> answer. Yeah, what's the real answer? Put the fake answer in the in the Patreon later. Here's the real <laughs> answer. Number one, my my kids don't grow up this way, mm-hmm. right? So my kids have a level of privilege, and and we live in a, a bit of a a bubble, a camera. Say more, bubble. Chris. When you say when you say well, my kids don't grow up this way. Yeah, you gotta cl- clarify that because that could be that can go a whole bunch of different ways. It already so, did. <laughs> so, so, so let me tell you just one way where it's for sure. For uh-huh. like, I can go months without seeing a police officer when I'm at home. When I travel to cities, I'm seeing constant interaction with police officers all over the place. Right? Well, what cities you traveling to? Well, I mean, you know, like big cities, in New the York, urban, uh, in on the East Coast, in urban, urban areas, urban right? Area. You know. Uh, I at least see a lot of police cars. I see a lot of people interacting. I see badges and guns more than I see anywhere else. What are you saying? Basically, at home, you live in the suburbs. No, no. I live in a rural area. Like a rural, even, gotcha. Not even a suburb. He was like, not even a suburb. Rural. Not even the suburbs. Like, even, at least in the suburbs, I see police cars, right? Where I live, I don't see a ton of police officers. We don't have much interaction with them. They're not part of our life in the way that they would be. The other thing is it's a little bit of a bubble. It's a camp. Like, my kids are very sheltered. Like they, 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 they're not living this urban existence, right? And that's partially, I don't know if it's my fault or if it's my, to my credit, one or the other, right? Cause I'm not, I haven't worked this out a hundred percent. Like how much I, I shield them from the damage and how much I put them, like make them be real about what's possible. Then the other thing is, you know, my kids are biracial, very fair skinned, biracial. And um, I have realized as a father, who grew up very different than they than them, that uh, you know they, they're operating with a different worldview than I grew up having. I'll just put it that way, right? Uh, this is this it's a different, and I'm just being honest right now as I speak. This is just a different situation for me if I didn't have biracial kids and I didn't live in a rural area. Well, I mean, I also think it's a, it's a generational piece because I like, so one of our teachers, Gerald Dessis, he's our social justice teacher. You know, as you guys know, eighth, our eighth grade history class is social justice where they study youth activism in South Africa and Americas. And he, uh, you know, sent a letter to families and just saying like, hey, you know, if you are going to watch it, it can be triggering. And when you talk about like, you know, whether it was The Roots and seven, I was, I was six or seven when The Roots came out. And yeah, it was no question, like it was a homework assignment actually from our school. I think they didn't give us homework that week and our homework was to watch. It was the same year. Yeah, I mean, that, like, like that was awesome, man. that's how they do. Like, this is your homework. You're watching this. And I remember, like, it was the one time I didn't have to go to bed at the time I was supposed to go to bed because we were watching The Roots. And I watched the whole entire episode except the scene where Hey, Black Hands family, you just listened to part one. And let me tell you, Sharif was about to go in. He had a he was in the spirit in this moment. So going over to part two right now so you can listen to the rest of what Sharif had to say and what the rest of the team had to say. All right. So we want to break it up for your listening pleasure. All right. We'll see you 
in part two. You have been listening to the Eight Black Hands podcast with Ankrum, Cole, El Mecky, and Stewart. If you like what you heard, follow us on Twitter. Our handle is at 8BlackHands1. Thank you for listening.